What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain East Forest is a musician who I became aware of when I started listening to his album that featured what could be some of the last words spoken and recorded from the spiritual teacher Ramdas. There was a guy, he was a surfer from, from California. And he beautifully puts these little vignettes to his music he's a musician he plays the piano he plays a lot of his own instruments and also layers in electronic accoutrement to the music as well to create this immersive experience with ramdas's words and the music that's truly truly incredible so i encourage you guys to check out east forest album with ramdas and we're going to be talking about it a lot in this podcast but there's also a bunch of dope stuff that he does as well. He has like a five-hour music for the psilocybin psychedelic ceremony playlist. And he just puts that out there for everybody to enjoy. And it's incredibly powerful. So he's deeply immersed in the culture and the ideas of many of the things that I am as well. So when it came time to meet him and chat with him, I was truly, truly inspired and immensely enjoyed this conversation so i'm really excited to introduce you all to east forest east forest my man welcome thank you That's welcome good. to myself <laughs> thank you good to have you here man yeah it's a pleasure um so interestingly how this connection was made is i started listening to your ramdas tracks and i've been kind of on a on my own ramdas kick in the on pretty recently actually i mean i what, guess they, you said it was be here now or no, what was your gateway Ramdas drug? What was the gateway? I had so I had my partner Whitney talking about it, and she was reading Polishing the Mirror, and I would like uh -huh. look over her shoulder. She'd tell me some quotes, and then but I had I had other people. I had Duncan Trussell, I had Tate yeah. Fletcher, I had other people yeah. like dripping little bits, and then the thing that finally like tipped me over the edge was a combination of your music, and then the uh, the documentary that Ragu. Is putting out becoming nobody yes um so the combination of both of those after both of those i was like i'm fucking in because mm -hmm. there was just like you know and i think i expressed this to you when we first talked like you can tell when an instrument's in tune even if you don't play 
like you know from the most part if a violin is like cracked or mm-hmm. if like it's fucked up your body knows your body like you feel it it's like it's like weird side note about that cool thing about music is you can have a phd in musicology and all this stuff or have no nothing and your response to the music totally the same yeah like it's built into your system that's just a like weird you're thing. saying like you know yeah and we that's a whole rabbit hole of like i'd like to go down a fifth that. is a fifth and all this stuff about tunings but that's because we're, we, we we just we know these things it's part of our nervous system to understand music yeah and anyway. i think I, I think it's part of our nervous system to understand truth and it's like, and it's something that we can convince ourselves otherwise because the mind gets in the way. But hearing Ram Dass actually speak, like reading the book was cool. I was like, yep, that sounds right. Yep, mm-hmm. that sounds right. And hearing like Whitney, like, like read this thing. And it's just text. I was like, yeah, you know, for sure. He's, he's talking about some like interesting, correct shit. And I'm totally on board with what he's saying. But then you hear him speak even the most subtle thing. Even in, in that very first track, that you put out which i think is a fucking brilliant track because mm-hmm. there's like and i believe this is what it is and i could be wrong but it sounds like the subtle sounds of his wheelchair creaking like right when you open up the nature track <laughs> you know what that is that's my piano bench okay in my house <laughs> okay. but no but those incidental sounds i uh-huh. really like them i really because like that's them. that's part of life and that's part of the creation no and, doubt. and with digital music and pro tools you're just always taking everything out yeah. And they think that's the perfection. The perfection to me is the reality of it. All the instruments on that record, aside from the program drums, are acoustic instruments. Mm. And that's important to me too, because like Ramnas is talking about stuff that's so real and salient and physical, and but also ethereal at the same time. And I, I just wanted to have this world of like uh, organicness. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the start of that track, he's just talking about trees. Uh-huh. stars do you want to know how that happened and i don't know how it happened but it's fucking amazing because when he says it he, it actually sounds like instead of saying just trees you know like normal like i he's well, he like really like talking Gandalf. about the name of the yeah. tree it's like there's a book called the name of the wind and it's like where there's these wizards who can actually name something with what it is mm-hmm. and it's like he's naming the tree as what it really is Dude, let me give you the picture. Here's okay. what happened. That was the first thing I asked him. So I went all the way over to Maui last summer, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there with Ram Dass, and they shut the door, and it's all of a sudden just the two of us. And there, as you can imagine, there are many hoops to get through to that yeah. moment. And every hoop, you're thinking, this is going to fall apart. This isn't going to work. <laughs> I'm going to be found out, whatever, whatever the, the thought is. And I realized this, I was like, oh my God, this is like the spiritual White House or something. Yeah. This is not a, you don't just waltz in here and get private time. He's usually surrounded by a lot of people. Yeah. And I was, I was really nervous. And uh, the first, he just, he just looked at me and I thought we'd just have this casual conversation and I'd take little clips and put music to it. And it was just, just eye gazing going on, just soul to soul. And I'm totally exploding in the inside of my heart. It's like, yeah. oh my God. And I see this picture of Maharaji behind him that's laughing. And I have this, this massive moment of like, oh my God, all this stuff. And then I realize that it's like, I need to ask him questions. <laughs> like, 
yeah. and, and I said, because that would just continue. Yeah, and that would be it. It would just be cool for me. Yeah, but there's no record. No, that, yeah, and and so I, I first question I asked him was about like, hey, um, we're sitting in his study, and these windows here are looking out at the North Shore of the ocean, and the windows are open, and you hear the birds, and the breeze is coming through, and it's hot mm. in the room, and he's got all of his stuff around him, and I asked him something about like nature as how can we use nature as a way to connect to ourselves? And we're so disconnected through all the technology and social media and all this stuff. And particularly for younger people, like what do you have to say to them? What do we, what do we do? Blah, you know, this kind of thing. Mm. And he just stares at the ocean and he's just, he's got his beads. He's doing his, doing his roms and he's not saying anything. And I'm just waiting. Cause I said, I know I need to wait. Don't push him. Cause he had the aphasia and right. I need to just let him speak. And after a while, what you hear on that song is exactly what he said. He just says, trees, water. And, and each one of them, there might've been 60 seconds between the words. I don't know where he's going. I'm like, is he, <laughs> what? My brain's doing all this stuff. Like, is this working? Is he, did he hear me? What are we, he's just saying things. But then after like 10 minutes where he goes through the list, it was 10 minutes in the real time. Mm. All our friends mm. are us. You know, we are nature. When you hug a tree, you're hugging yourself. And he goes on this whole thing. And I'm just like, oh my God, this guy is like fully there. Yeah. Total master of, of, of 50 years of speaking and all the spiritual work. And he's sort of locked behind this aphasia. And when we recorded the words and you put it to music, the pauses now don't matter. They become an asset in the songs because your brain doesn't hear them. It's in the music. Mm. And now I can fit the phrases into the rhythm of the music. And so all of a sudden it's like this wonderful medium for him, but I, I didn't know that going in. And so that song that you're resonating with was the very first thing he said. And you can just imagine him gazing at all that nature and he's just, he's saying what he sees. Yeah. Yeah, it was special. That, <clears throat> I think, you know, you could look at it as if that you know the stroke that he suffered aphasia i guess is the technical is, term was the result yes yeah. it's hard for him to put his, uh, his thoughts to words mm -hmm. yeah you could look at that as something that hindered his ability to communicate because you look at the old documentary and he had like kind of like a you know kind of a funny sense of humor he was very mm -hmm. charismatic and he could he could really lead an audience through a, a you know a speech like he was that. funny he was, he was really funny yeah he was really funny yeah. And that had its own value and I think was probably a very special experience for people. But having the limitation that he has now, mm -hmm. it just feels like every word he speaks is so much more powerful. Yeah. It almost like you could look at it like holding him back, but really it's almost potentially giving him this kind of funneling device where he's actually putting the entirety of his soul into every one of those words he says. Yeah, man. And it really goes to that adage of less is more. Yeah. When he really I say had, so many fucking words to right? say one thing and, and he says water. Because and I'm like, had, he, oh God. He, yeah. He's forced to really like think through how do I get through? He has all these thoughts probably going on. His brain's working just fine. And he has to be like, and that's what blew my mind is like, not only is he good at this, but he's it's, it's a lot of work yeah. and to track what he says from start to finish, he's doing that. And when I'm sitting there, I had a hard time tracking it. I mean, he told the story, there's a song in the record called A Miracle about meeting Maharaji, mm. beautiful story. It's a six and some change minute mm -hmm. song. It took an hour and a half to say. Wow. Hour and a half. 
Wow. And he tracked it all the way to the end. Wow. I mean, so such presence, right? You yeah. Know, to be yeah. Able to just track that and stick with it. And you would never know listening to the song. It sounds like it came out at the cadence. I mean, I think that's part of your mastery. Like it's that when you listen to the song, it sounds like the perfect cadence. Yeah. You know, even like the, I am loving awareness, uh, you know, song which is which is incredible which is definitely one of my favorites as well you know like the the way the pacing by which he says that i mean how long was that song that was probably quite a while and that one's a journey too because i knew that i am loving awareness meditation of his and i was hoping he'd get to it at some point and he did naturally yeah and that one was really cool because he's going into that space and not just talking about what that space is but the song itself is sort of taking you there too so it becomes a tool in a way. And I love music like that when it's a tool. It's not, it is just cool to listen to, but if you just listen to the words and kind of follow what he's saying, and he's saying, like, I use this phrase as a mantra to get out of my mind, and here's how I do it, and then he does it, and you're just kind of listening or saying it, you'll go there. Yeah. You experience yourself as loving awareness, mm. which is a feeling. And But he's he's just someone who... I honor him for saying yes to the project when he has recorded 50 some thousand hours of himself talking, wonderful talks from decades. So the obvious choice would be, no, you don't need to come here and record more. Just go have at it. Here's the archive. But he's like, yeah, let's do it. Yes. And it's fucking perfect, man. And like, really, like, I don't know. I mean, everybody, I'm going to have all the links for, for all this. You can check it out on Spotify. You can buy it on vinyl. It just came out today, actually. The, the vinyl finally arrived. But yeah, the album's what, out everywhere. Whatever, however, you know, however you want to consume this. I mean, I think the message and, and really the reason why he said yes was, and the reason why you said yes is to get this out to as many human beings as possible because it is transformative music. And it's something that the more you listen to it, the more you resonate with that truth and that resonates with that part of you that feels that truth inside yourself. Look, there's a lot of shit going on these days, as we all know, and there's, I feel like we're facing a transition on the planet and the entire civilization, like nothing we've ever faced ever. We could take any of the calamities that's going on, whether you want to take your pick, peak oil, peak soil, peak water, goes on and on and on. Each one of them is much worse than you think it is. Yet we continue as we have to. And there's a strange sort of playing the music on the ship of the Titanic situation going on. We need all the help we can get. And I'm a believer that the kind of change we need comes from the inside out. Where, where else does it come from? It's not some top-down solution. It's certainly not going to come from our top-down right now in our government. And there's no alien that's going to come to save us. And there's no technology in my mind. Most likely gonna, not an alien that's going to save us. All, I'm, I mean, d- there's, I'm a down. Po- there's a possibility. There is a possibility. Aubrey, you're right. <laughs> the other things are pretty definite, but you know, you got to give a possibility where a possibility is there. Well, I think it's a safer bet to rely on that which has worked before and the wisdom around us, and that's not I something so we too. do. And Ramdas, so he's 88, yeah. Um, and so I think one of the reasons we I wanted to talk to him now is to give him the opportunity to speak to our times today, mm. and that's a way of honoring elders and wisdom guy's got some serious fucking wisdom and knows a lot and how to distill that in a way i don't know about you but i connect with the ramdas because i grew up sort of in an atheist household and i was sort of adrift like every like typical american kid i'm like i don't know i try a little of this a little of that you try a little buddhism in college 
maybe a little Christianity here and there, whatever. You're just trying, you're just looking for that meaning, but we have no rite of passage. Yeah, right? until, a you lot try, of us. until you try mushrooms. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to me. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to me. And, and Ram Dass <clears throat> was someone who's sort of a secular spiritualist and also an intellectual coming from Harvard and had this, pr- and also very charismatic and funny. Mm. And they had this combination that was just very approachable and so heart opening, but it wasn't anything I had to buy into or give money to or really even read a bunch of books to have to grok on a physical gut level. Yeah. And I wanted him to speak to today because I think it's actually quite important. Yeah. And so that was really the entire thinking behind making the record. It's yeah. like, what does this guy have to say about what we're going through? Yeah. And it's when you, when I look out at the world, I, I see all of these things and all of these downstream effects, but really the upstream cause is a crisis of consciousness. It's us not being aware of who we really are, you know, which in Ramdas's language is the soul. You know, we're mm-hmm. identified as the ego, you know, the the name, the identity that we have and all of the thoughts and all of the fragility that comes from, from all those things, not recognizing that we are the soul, which is a mm-hmm. manifestation of God. And as he says in that very first track, and what's that? Love all the way. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, man, you fucking get that. And it's just like, it's just heartbreaking. Everybody and everybody in all of this conflict and all of this and really we're all just the same man we're just love all the way and if we got that and if we figured this out and that we're not separate from the earth and that we're part of all of these different things our ego tries to create separateness but if we surrendered to that unicity of our soul and and the connection between all beings like we would fucking fix all these problems it's simple but it's not easy no true and and i i sympathize with everyone because i feel the same thing of like the yeah but Right, so my mind says, "Yeah, it is all love, but I, I, I got to go to work on Monday, or like, you know, my 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 girlfriend just broke up with me, and I'm going through this thing, or I'm angry, or I'm sick, I'm really sick, and I don't know, I'm angry about that, I, I'm depressed, all these things, and the whole record was intended as one listening experience to go through these teachings, but I know when you get to the end of it." Uh, there's this thought of like, what do we do? You know, because mm. we do need to be inspired. And the last song is called Love Everybody. And it's the only teaching that his his teacher, that Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji told him essentially was love everybody and tell the truth. Serve everyone. So love everybody and tell the truth. Very simple teaching. Very nuanced and tricky to put into practice. That's Okay. You know, tell the truth. Tell the truth to myself in my mind. What does that even mean? Tell the truth to me. What is truth? Is it my truth? Is it your truth? Sure, my mind can go down all these things, but I don't think the prescription is actually complicated. Mm. And that's something yeah. that's I try to embed there at the end of the record as kind of a bookend. And I think the the advantage of doing that, one of the best things that we can do is if we're able to do that. If we're able, like Ramdas, you're able to do that. If you're able to do that, you're able to do that, and you're able to give people permission to do the same. Like Ramdas, even though I haven't had the the privilege to meet him like you do, when he says, "I love my pain," 
I love my wheelchair, and I know that that instrument is tuned to truth, and I know that he's telling the absolute radical fucking truth of that thing. Yeah. I know that whatever I'm afraid of, maybe I'm afraid of cancer because people in my family died of cancer. Like, I know that there's a place that I can get to where I can say I love my cancer. I love my whatever the thing is that's challenging it. Like That is possible. It's possible because I've seen someone do it before, and we need that fucking social proof. And the more of us that do it, the more of us that do it, the more social proof there is, the more that it's possible for everybody. No, that that's it. Um, that is about witnessing for others uh, that which they need to see and feel. And that's always, this is a really, really important point. This is, we're just talking about Charles Eisenstein. This mm-hmm. is something that uh, he talked about a long time ago. Uh, I went to a retreat 10 years ago when I first met him because I read his first book. And I remember in putting out this idea about, you know, you can, you can hold for someone else a truth or what you feel they need. You can embody it. Even if you don't think you might be, well, I'm not that, or I, I have, I'm not boot, all these things. It's like, no, 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 no. You can, you can be that witness and embody that thing and reflect it right back to them. You have that full capability to do that. Mm. And it, it actually is like the golden rule. Like by doing that, by making someone else feel, say, secure or infinite or loved, you're going to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Infinite. You're engendering it in them, but you're actually doing it yourself. And I think a lot of people feel that they see this in others, but there's something that it's, there's like the distancing or a separation between themselves. Yeah, like this mythology of how much work they need to do to get right. to that state or how they have to earn it or how they don't deserve it or all of these stories that right. we tell ourselves that prevent us from the very first step into doing that, which is that that unconditional love moment, which can happen at any point. It your can next happen, breath. Your next fucking breath. I'm just saying it's there. It's, yeah. it's not something I give you. It's already in all of us. And it's just about peeling away an onion. It's not even something that you need to go. It's in your next breath. <laughs> and then you know what? You'll fall out of it yeah. and you'll fall back into it. And that is the engine, in my opinion, of our incarnation. And there's this strange feeling for humans, especially these days, of about a destination. You know, like, oh, I'm all, we're always like this kind of hierarchy of, I mean, it, it's symptomatic. You see it with the quantification of everything, how many followers and likes. But it's like, it also goes into this notion of like where I'm at in my spiritual life. Yeah, spiritual material. Or happiness here. And forget about spirituality. It's, you know, the old like, am I, it's in our fucking constitution, you know, the right to happiness. Uh, that's unique to the American ideal, this sort of manifest destiny of, of my consciousness. My, I deserve to be happy. But we always think it's, we're going to arrive there. And it's like, I think we discount the joy that is inherent in our life from moment. All, we, have it all, we have it a lot, and it's in the small moments. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we think it needs to have razzle-dazzle and all these lights and stuff. Uh, there's a meditation teacher, Lauren Roche, that I spoke to, and he, he speaks a lot about this. It's like doing your dishes. You, know, you can have these moments of just like, that was it, though. That was enlightenment. That mm-hmm. is enlightenment. You mm-hmm. are enlightened. And then you're going to fall into the the thing with your thoughts and mm-hmm. your mind, but you're going in and out of this stuff all the time. Yeah. And the cultivation of realizing what's already there is much easier than thinking you have to spend 20 years sweeping an ashram floor right. to even get the first lesson. Yeah. Right? No, that makes perfect sense. And, and those realizations, those epiphanies that we can have when we feel it for no reason at all, you know, and it's just there, like you said, in your breath, that's, 
those are the things that can recalibrate your whole understanding. This was actually one of the gifts that the first Burning Man I went to was. Which year was that? So that was four years ago. So it just ended, so it was you know, four burns ago. Um, and I didn't go this year. But the very first one, I mean, it's this wild, mind-expanding, you can't even possibly fathom how big and how ridiculous it is and how free you are to do absolutely everything you could possibly imagine. There's every drug you ever want. There's every type of music there's every type of light there's every type of sexuality expressed there's every type of everything and it's all available to you all you have to do is hop on your fucking bike load it up with whatever the fuck substances you want and you're out in this wonderland of absolute radical freedom but the very best times i had was just sitting in the dusty ass rv with my homies and laughing did you need to go to burning man for that exactly right for that exactly but it was it was the juxtaposition of like what was my favorite part of burning man one it was sitting in a dusty rv with just a couple of my good friends Mm. you know it's beautiful like and that's and that's the fucking beauty of like an experience like that is like oh that's what we have available it's like when i talk to this and i've told this story before on the podcast but i talked to this super bowl champ quarterback and he listened to me talk about mushrooms and he's like, hey man, I got to tell you, I won the fucking Super Bowl. But you know what my favorite experience in life was? <laughs> How often does he drop that? Yeah, I don't know. I won't have the Laguna Linguini. You know, I won the Super Bowl, bro. So It's obvious. He doesn't even say yeah. it. But he goes, you know, I won the Super Bowl, but you know what was a better day? When I was sitting on the beach taking mushrooms with my friends. God bless. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, the fucking Super Bowl, bro? Yeah. Like that's what every, that's well, what every that, that is dude a gift. dreams. That is a gift. You know, I mean, how many rich people do we need smashing their car into a wall to commit suicide? It, to, to show us what we think we know, that that isn't how you really buy anything. Yeah. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't come from that. It My favorite moment is- Not bur- even the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, Not well, even I, the Super Bowl. You don't have to convince me because Super Bowl <laughs> isn't my goal. But uh, yeah, you could say, I, I, I get it. I, the analogy is clear. Yeah. <laughs> Never really was striving for the Super Bowl myself. Yeah, I get it. And when I was at Burning Man, my favorite moments actually were things like this double rainbow that happened. Mm-hmm. Or one night, I remember the moon just was blowing my mind. But yeah. all the other lights and stuff, and it was cool. Yeah. Right, but nowadays I would rather honestly take a backpacking trip, because the the feeling I'm going to get from at certain moments of really being in it, and and feeling that reflection in me is to me quite powerful, mm-hmm. maybe more so than than Burning Man. But look, hey, different folks, different strokes. There's there's infinite pathways to God, and that may be one for people and may not they may be that's a way of being further in an illusion i don't know well one i think one of the beautiful parts of it is like we always think that if more more is better and when you go to some place <laughs> where you have most it's the most <laughs> you go to the place that's the most and then you realize at that point there's like nothing more that you could possibly want do i want more half naked beautiful girls no it's not possible do i want more loud music that i love dancing to no it's not possible do i want more spectacles of light do i what the fuck more do i want there's no more and still the best thing was just the human connection that was well, that was available that's all i'm looking for i don't know about you but it's like we all want to be witnessed yeah. it's like we were saying before we want to be seen in a way that feels authentic as a soul that I am not a ghost. I lived in New York City for a long time. I remember everyone on their iPods and there's millions of people around me, but no one looks you in the eye because they're afraid to, because they're weird people, you know? So Mm. it's a protection thing, but I started to feel like a ghost. Yeah. 
And then I, you know, I keep, I've been moving since then to like smaller and smaller cities, more and more nature, but there's a, something that I've been hungry for, which is just like that sense of community. And just like right now you're looking me in the eye and I, I, I feel like we're here and what else, honestly, what else do you need when you're dying? I bet that's what people really want is a sense of just being seen yeah. and seeing their own reflection of like soul to soul, you know? And that's what Ramdas was doing when we first sat down, because he knew that he's like, I don't need to. We don't have to say anything. <laughs> I don't know about you, but like when I when I meet someone who's had a powerful psychedelic experience, and we want to talk about it, they want to talk about it, and we just look at each other. I can I can tell. It's like there's nothing I can say. Yeah. There's nothing you can say, and we both know that. And there's this. It's me just saying like, I know, I see you. Mm. That's it. And then we can sit here and dance around it with words. But yeah, it's the ineffable. You know, it's you know, like all of the words. That's the problem with using the word God, or the problem with using the word soul, or the problem with using the minute you start to put anything into a word, it comes with all the barnacles and baggage of every right. way that you've interpreted that thing. So it's almost yeah. So the truth, the truth often comes in the deepest way in those other in those other moments, unless you're like a real wizard like Ramdas, where when you speak it, it just has that kind of if you actually tune in, it has the tenor. Mm-hmm of something that is really, yeah. really, really authentically there. As hopefully this podcast with East Forest has taken care of your mind and your soul, I also want to talk to you about taking care of your body. Now, we live in an age now where we actually don't have to go to the grocery store like nearly as much as we used to. I mean, that used to be a thing where everybody was just going to the grocery store, but now there's options available that allow us to just chill and handle our business and do whatever we want, read books, hang out. And one of the key players that has emerged is Thrive Market. And why they're a key player is they've been offering the best natural foods from the drop. Like there's other places you can get natural foods, but nothing to the level of Thrive Market and nothing at that kind of savings and that kind of convenience. I mean, so you go to Thrive Marketplace and it's like, it reminds me of when I go shopping in like Erewhon or some kind of cutting edge nutritional store where all of the products are like, oh, wow, this thing is rad. Like you can do that online at Thrive Market, but you're not spending a ridiculous amount of money to do that. You're getting like 25 to 50% below what you would find at some of these other more expensive grocery stores and you don't have to drive to them. That's what's awesome. And then Again, getting it straight to your door in packaging that's all recyclable. I mean, they don't use all the plastic and all the bullshit that you see in so many other boxes. Like, it's sustainable all the way through. You get your savings all the way through. And it's easy to use the website. Like, when you're going to look for something and you're trying to figure out what you want and get the subscription that you're looking for just delivered to you, it's about as simple as any company could possibly make it. And it's a curated catalog. It's intelligent. So the more you use it, the more it just makes sense. So I really encourage you guys to check it out. They're our newest podcast sponsor. And they're offering 25% off your first order, which is going to be ridiculous. Like stock up on that first order because everything's already cheap. And you get a free 30-day trial for the subscription model. Think like Amazon Prime. It's a similar idea because you're getting access to all of these natural foods at such a ridiculously good price. So to get all of that, go to thrivemarket.com slash Aubrey, and you'll lock all that in. So once again, that's thrivemarket.com slash Aubrey. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the podcast. 
it's poetry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the arts are so powerful at speaking to these things, the mystic poetry to music. Obviously, I'm biased, but why I like music is because it is dancing around in this metaphorical way around the mystery. I was talking to Eric Davis a couple weeks ago. He's kind of a modern philosopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had this wonderful phrase he said in the podcast about that the mystery has no edge. And I was like, oh, wow, what a trippy idea. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of perfect. And this idea that music and dance and all creativity in a sense is dancing around the edge where there is no edge of the mystery mm. because there's nothing else we can do. And so that's almost one of the things that makes us unique about humans is this ability to be creative and to create. And why wouldn't it be? What would we do but to sing about the mystery in a sense? It's as if like this, this operating system we're in, our consciousness, uh, like this is the thing we've incarnated into. And it's this binary dualistic thing which is kind of cool that then the computers come up and that's binary and so forth. Yeah. But that's the world we're meant to, to be in. And that's, we can't kind of go past that octave of consciousness without dying. We're a little bit in psychedelics. There are ways you can do it. You can cheat, you can cheat your way across. Of course. Well, you, you, can, you get little trips out, yeah. so to speak. But that's, like, that's kind of like the thing we have in incarnation. And I think that's there for a reason, these yeah. boundary conditions. And uh, just like I can't tell my dog can't explain to the dog like what my octave of consciousness is like compared to theirs but we're obviously clearly both alive yeah and just like music you know it's infinite by the way in both directions we just can't hear it just sort of like the color spectrum or the light spectrum why wouldn't consciousness be the same way yeah of course i think we probably actually underestimate what the consciousness of an animal feels like because we have the sacred gift of the ego which is the one that can deny our connection to god the animals that don't have that are constantly in mm-hmm. communion and union with the great mystery, you know, like with that, with that force. And I say that because in an ayahuasca journey, I transformed into a triceratops, which was oddly enough. That's pretty badass. a strange thing. <laughs> and you think of a triceratops, you think of the big plate on the head, you think of that. And that wasn't what was interesting about it. What was interesting about it is this low-level anxiety of loneliness and separation, which I've felt somewhere around my heart, except for moments where I can actually collapse into like real states of love with another person or with nature or with whatever. All of that was just blasted open, and my heart was as connected to the center of the earth, to the center of all centers, as I'd ever felt. Meanwhile, I felt like I had hooves and I had horns and I had a plate on my head, but none of that fucking mattered. What mattered was that I was connected to God, truly, without any doubt or without any separation. And I think, so we have this kind of hierarchy of mind, like, oh yeah, we're way smarter than our dogs, for sure. They're our pets, they're our little slaves. But like, really? They, They may be at a higher octave and all animals might be operating in some ways at a higher octave than most of us are able to attain because of our ability to separate ourselves. Maybe. I mean, I know it goes both ways probably, just as I can't describe to the dog what my consciousness is like, I also can't understand theirs fully. So it's presumptuous for me to think, like, what's the consciousness of a tree? Yeah, well, then consciousness may not even be the right word even, right? Well, like I don't, yeah, what does that even mean there's anyway? Like, no one really union, knows. union, and then there's consciousness, and then, like, which one is... I think union, they got us beat. Consciousness, if we're talking about pure size, well, you know, we may have a... Well, I don't know. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> My friend had a dog that was dying, and they went to a dog psychic, 
Have you ever seen the dog? This uh, was shown YouTube by a woman who basically can communicate with animals. Mm-mm. Anyway, check it out. It's, it's quite interesting. But uh, they went to one of these people, and let's just assume that it's it's legit or whatever. And the dog's dying, and so she communicates with the dog. It's kind of vibes with it for a while, and 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 they said, "Well, can you just ask the dog like what it needs? What does it need?" And the dog's response was, "Well, I I'd, I'd like some more like you know, his belly rubs are good and." Some more treats would be good. And, you know, just, it's like the things dogs like. Yeah. And, and they're just like, oh, it's like, we're the ones who have all these hangups about dying. It's just kind of like, I'm dying. And yeah, pain sucks, but I, I'd like some more treats. <laughs> yeah. Treats, <laughs> you know, like, be, treats would be awesome. Yeah. Right now. Some more of that, that thing you do behind my ear. I'll take some more of that. <laughs> Same old stuff. Yeah. So we go on our own trips about, about all these things. And that's our path, that's our karma. Yeah, the sim- the simplicity, you know. That's I guess that's the story of the, you know, the Garden of Eden, right? Being cast out of the Garden of Eden is is in some ways could be the metaphor from the transition of the animalistic state where we're connected and one with God to the state where we become self aware, and mm. we're then like, oh shit, I'm a human, and the ego goes, I'm the only, I'm the I'm the center of the universe, you know, and then that moment, that moment the knowledge of good and evil you know that's what they call it the knowledge of good and evil the knowledge of that's where it all starts and i think that's where the metaphor is now the interpretation of that has obviously gone all kinds of different directions but yeah to me that's where the metaphor makes sense and i think we're on our own journey back it's our own hero's journey back home with our mind intact with our ego we're not going to ever be able to shed that but like ramdas like with all of these things but find the place where our heart is back home with source you know and that's i think the noblest goal that we could ever have it's more important than super bowls and i think it's inevitable too i yeah. think there's there's only one game in town one show in town as ramdas would say and once you kind of figure out what that is actually you're in that show in that game whether you know it or not i think we're all hungry to return with god we're just um and when I say return, we're not separate, but it's sort of like we're hungry to just be unionized again with that, which the fullness of what we are. Mm. I don't know about you, but look, I can say all this stuff, but it's hard for me. Of course. And I've had a serious, serious struggles in my life with like depression and my mind. And, and I've had to find this out the hard way. And if someone said to me, like, uh, would you, will you come back? Can you do this again? I think I would say no. I mean, I do find this to be really beautiful. I mean, un, I can't think of anything more beautiful, to be honest. But there's so much heartache that I'm not sure I would want to do it again. Yeah. Would you? That's an interesting fucking question, man. I mean, I, I think there's there's moments that you feel where you know it was all worth it. I know but, it's worth but, it. But, you know, right? but like there's, but I agree, like the general condition that I've ex- that I've existed in, which has been a state of pretty ever-present anxiety and periods of fluctuating depression, and you know some great states and some ecstatic states, some ego champion states where I'm pounding my chest like fucking King Kong on the top of the Empire State Building. Like I've had a variety, I had a full gamut of experiences, but there's been some, you know, that I've said like, oh, I would always come back for this, and I'd also, I've also known too that. I probably wouldn't come back that often, but I would come back when I could be <laughs> so of the often. most service, right? Like yeah. that's what a, that's what a right, boga took. Right, right. When I did a boga the first time, it was like 
yo, if you want to, I was like, Boga's like crazy. It's like a Google search, like especially the first time I did it. It was like, a, you could like Google, you could ask questions, uh-huh. like very specific questions. I was like, what's my soul like? What's it here for? And it was like, oh yeah, your soul likes to come in every thousand years when it feels like, <laughs> you know, it feels like uh, it has some things that it could that it could do. It has some good that it could do. Yeah. You know, and I was like, okay, I get it. So like, that's kind of, that's it. Maybe the soul pod, as Ram Dass says, like there's a soul yeah. pod up there and we're up there. For sure. Like, and maybe, maybe, fuck, man, we just met each other, but maybe like we bump into each other and we're like, hey, man, we got to go back down there again. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm like, yo, it's fucking, it's time. And you're like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, come on, bro. And I do like, think that's true. <laughs> and look, right right now, no, right now, it's funny when you're speaking, I'm, I know like what I want to say to soothe like some of the pain you're having. And I feel myself saying that thing I was saying before of like, yeah, but I have pain. And then I go through the thing of like, oh, but it's okay to embody what I need and you need as a gift for both of us in a sense. Mm. And I think I totally resonate with that. I think actually the more you say it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's sacred and it's profane. It's horribly perfect. Yeah, horribly and perfect. If, if you were all that is, and that's all that there ever was sort of out there, you're God, right? You're just, you are all that is, and there's nothing else. And you were going to separate anything out so that you could have an experience to, that is not all that is, or, or you know what I'm saying, to create mm-hmm. opposites, at least whatever this universe is that we're in, why wouldn't it be the most epic, the most horrible horribles, the most amazing amazings? Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, it is. It couldn't be more nope. crazy. They designed the very best game possible. And I'm like, of course it would be like that. Yeah. It would have every color the humor and the sickness and the amazing beauty and the the sexual stuff and the the art and and the the wrestling with big questions and this unanswerable questions of and course the, it would have them and the fight to save the earth oh dude it's, it, it <laughs> couldn't mean, be more it epic could, it couldn't be more epic and especially this time is like it's absolutely it's absolutely the time of times doesn't mean it's always going to be easy doesn't mean it's always going to be fun but yeah when you have that perspective you can recognize if this game is on the shelf at the fucking universal best buy it's fucking selling out it's selling out every fucking moment it's like the popeye's chicken sandwich like people cannot get enough of this game it's intoxicating (laughs) yes but look i think that what people struggle with and i struggle with is because of the information sickness we have and we get to now see so much at once there's so much we're so connected globally and there's so much information coming at us the natural response is like what do i do what do i what am i supposed to do Mm. what do i do and then that's love everybody tell the truth if you don't worry about the other stuff yeah trust that if you can just do that stuff the rest will unfold it needs unfold the show will go on around you and in front of you the sea will be the sea. There will be storms, but you are holding on to the steering wheel of that ship. You just need to choose where you want to go. And that's the power of choice. That's like, none of this bullshit about like, oh, I, I create my reality. It's like, no, well, you do choose where you want to go, but then there's also things, yes, things are going to reverberate back, like throwing a pebble into a lake and it creates the ripples and then it hits things and they ripple back. Mm. And that's important, though, that we do choose where we, what we want to do and where we want to go. And maybe, it, maybe that choice sometimes is as simple as just telling the truth and loving everyone. It's like you could chew on that for a lifetime. <clears throat> People don't realize that telling the truth and loving everyone is the same thing. It's a secret. 
<clears throat> oh, I like that. Like those, he separated those two because we separate those two, but really, there's no way you're in love with someone in true respect and without the condescension of, of judging, of like coddling their ego. Like if you really see them as a soul, the only way that you can love them is to tell the truth. That's beautiful. Yeah, I've, there is, it is the same thing. It's the same thing. And that's, we get that twisted all the time. And there's, I understand there's pragmatic applications for not telling the truth and whatever. Like I get, you could come up with some hypothetical that would make a hundred people are going to die. And all you have to do is lie. Like, oh, fine, fine, fine. It's poetry. But yeah, It's all exactly. just poetry exactly. about any, you know, again, the mystery has no edge. It's like, don't take it so literally. <laughs> right, right. But, but truth is always love. And, and like, I've, I've found that over and over and over again in all these relationships. Most of the time when we're afraid of the truth, we're afraid of the immediate consequence, but we're paying a much greater price down the road. Even when someone's dying, right? Like if you're talking to the soul and you're expressing the truth and you're like, no, you're going to be okay and blah, blah, blah. Is that the most loving thing for the soul? Or is that just that moment of coddling the ego? Like if you expand the perspective back to the unborn and the undying, it's always truth and love riding together like it's scary sometimes you know for myself i had to learn what it even meant to tell the truth and we can do things that really compartmentalize in our minds we think or you know, it's rationalization and that happened for me mm. on a personal level of course and, uh, but we hide, we, but hide our, we hide the truth from ourselves all the fucking time and we rationalize and justify and i'm i'm so slippery I'm so slippery. Oh, dude, I'm like, I'm like trying to, I'm like trying you know. to hold on to like one of those fucking like slippery eels or one of those things that look like a giant sphincter that was. You remember those things that you could squeeze it and it was like made yeah. of water and it yeah. would like squirt out of your yeah. hand. Yeah. Like that's like me trying to hold on to myself because I'll rationalize and justify and I'm really good at creating these logical constructs and scaffolds that will appear out of nowhere and people will look like wow well i guess that makes sense and that's why you did that thing and i'm like that's right that's why i did that thing and yeah. meanwhile i'm just fucking bullshitting myself and everybody well, i think that's why practice or things like psychedelic experiences whatever you can do to get perspective yep um some people for myself it could be also like getting into nature I mean, whatever it is you do to essentially clear your head and be able to step back from kind of the the movie show of your own life that's going on right here in front of your face. You just need to step back at times and be like, okay, hold on a second. And I, I also think mm. that was built into things like having a Sabbath and so forth. It just has gotten sure. lost. But we've understood that. And these are, the faster our lives go now, we, we've maybe lost that bit of technology of rest and reflection. No doubt. And so uh, what do you do, for instance, to get it? I'm assuming like exercise probably does it. Things like priming your body does it. Some of, the, some of these things it. can. I mean, really, so the, the transformational practice, ecstatic dance one, mm -hmm. where I am just link my body to music. That makes sense. Close out, close out thoughts, and it's just movement and music, and mm -hmm. then collapse that, and then I'll get, I can get in visionary states. Uh, shamanic breathing, mm -hmm. I can get there. Combining the breath and the cold can sometimes get me there, although that's more of a physiological response, but it's really nice. Gives you perspective. Gives though. me some perspective. Yeah. Um, sweat Lodge, you know, yes, both I'm a big EP, sauna guy, sure. Like that's, that's another, it's another huge one for me. Uh, and then the psychedelic experience, you know, like mm -hmm. that in whichever way that is, um, you know, there's the big ones like ayahuasca, obviously there's the big dieta in preparation and then there's the, 
ceremony or set of ceremonies and then there's the integration period and really paying attention to both sides of that is also like super crucial i haven't done one of those in a minute but in the meantime then it's you know little psilocybin journeys out in my ranch in sedona or you know dmt experience and i'm you know pretty comfortable doing those alone now have you ever sat with psilocybin with mushrooms in a ceremonial type way that's the very first thing i did that's what that's what broke me open so i was a shaman out in the mountains of new mexico and she gave me a psilocybin tea and Mm. i felt my body completely evaporate and i was a like an angry atheist at that point Mm -hmm. but i was curious most are yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm like and i felt my body evaporate and i was like fuck i got some they got some figuring outs to do yeah and i just stayed up all night in this rainstorm and as the wolves were howling and it was just this wild night where i was just riding feverishly by the fire just completely reevaluating the whole paradigm of everything that i had thought before because of what i'd felt and experienced I the reason I I released that sister record this year called Music for Mushrooms a soundtrack for a psychedelic practitioner and it's a 5-hour record that's designed to take you through that journey because there isn't a lot of tools out there modern mm. tools especially for mushrooms because the music actually becomes the space no doubt uh, and that's so it's a very very powerful influence on the experience and I had had 10 years of working with people and kind of create that's actually where my music came from literally Uh, i was 10 years ago figuring out how do i play for people in that space by myself well i'm on a loop it's going to be slow it's going to grow i brought in the nature field recordings and doing certain research about sound healing both ancient and new what are they doing in indigenous ceremonies with sound okay i'm going to bring some of those techniques in and let's just kind of put something together like a protocol that will work for our modern day Western ears and Mm. minds and hearts and then test it out and just do it many times and see, oh, this works, this doesn't add this, Mm. take this out. And instead of sitting on that in the private shadows, it's like, this is, this needs to be out there for people to use. And uh, that's why I put it out. But I, as timing would have it, I think I told you this when we were chatting on the phone that of course, Michael Pollan's book came out and the Denver and Oakland initiatives happened with the decriminalization of psilocybin, all coincidentally, so to speak, <laughs> at the same time. But these, there's, an, there's an emergence of this. And Ram Dass, going back to Ram Dass, he's arguably our psychedelic grandfather. Right. And he's been pushing this stuff since the 60s. And there's a song on the record about psilocybin. I had to ask yeah. him about it. And the first thing he said, going back to his sense of humor. Sabin is my friend. Exactly. (laughs) Sabin is my friend. Yeah. And he talks about his first trip, where it was the first time he actually felt home for the first time ever in his life. Yeah. When when essentially things were being shed away. And underneath that again, your next breath, it's there already. Mm -hmm. And it's you. Yeah, he talks about sitting on the couch. And looking down to where his body was like you were supposedly saying, it's, it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. He like looked down to where his body was supposed to be and his body wasn't there anymore. And he goes, like, Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is gonna be real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that fucking that thing, it's hard to duplicate that thing in a, in another way. You know what and I mean? And for a lot of people, that moment can go two ways. You can you can all of a sudden things start to drift away like your mind and you can feel like you're dying and things can go into the beautiful um, let's just say transcendent or can go into the darkness and panic in a quote unquote bad trip. Right. And again, out of compassion, that's why I really wanted this music out there because I've had some experiences where I was making deals with God to get out of them. 
Mm. Really, I mean, really, really traumatic experiences um, with psilocybin. But I've also had many like really beautiful, important, transcendent ones. And I don't think one is like only have this versus the other. I think they're all very important and powerful. But I saw sort of mistakes I made in the uh, technique of me going into that space that could have been corrected and changed that probably would have avoided that perhaps. Sure. And again, music, people underestimate what role it plays as the central guide. Really really powerful. It's not just like an influence. It's also like, you know, when it's coming out of speakers or even little headphones, it's, it's still pressure waves. It's like a physical thing. And we, we underestimate the role of sound and music in our world and in our lives. And it's more pervasive now than it's ever been in the history of humanity yeah. ever Yeah. and growing. Yeah. And some reinforce that kind of egoic story of the, of the world and then some, some are songs for medicine, you know, so. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a hammer. Absolutely. You can hit you over the head or build a house. I mean, it's what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's going to condition you one way or the other, whether we're aware of it or not. It'll condition the bad patterning of these relationships. I mean, I like, I even like country music. I think country music is great, but I'll catch some songs and I'll be like, you really shouldn't say that. You know, it's the song about some guy <laughs> shining his headlights in his ex-girlfriend's house and like showing up drunk and like, like don't, don't sing that young souls don't, yeah. don't, don't <laughs> sing that song it's like it's not what we need to be singing about but yeah and then there's the other ones whenever i do a dmt experience i have ikaros that have been recorded by some of the the best shamans that i've worked yes. with and i have now my ikaro playlist and it's it's really like cannot be underestimated and these are these are for ayahuasca which the active ingredient for those of you who don't know is dmt mm -hmm. so the psychedelic experience you're having is an extended form of a dmt journey it's obviously has its own flavor to a certain extent but the ikaros work with a dmt experience in the same in the same manner and that they call in different medicine and fuck it changes the game the shamans say that the ikaros are actually they are the main piece of the ceremony mm -hmm. they're on the same wavelength about that being a song and those songs are singing forth the spirit and guiding it that is it that's it that tradition is embedded into the ayahuasca ceremony. And to this day, what's interesting about ayahuasca is that it's almost never divorced from the ceremonial setting. Mm. You don't hear people partying with ayahuasca or doing even really by themselves. It's almost always in a ceremony. How terrifying. <laughs> to do it by you yourself. don't hear about it much, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to drink a couple of I cups. saw Hamilton Morris do it on yeah. Vice once. I was like, this guy's this guy out there. <laughs> But psilocybin is the opposite. Right. It, it typically, most people have not sat in ceremony with it, have not sat even like and given it space to really speak to them. They've been active, recreational, and they might have stumbled into really powerful, positive experiences, many people. But yet, it certainly didn't have a, a music tradition that carried with it. Yeah. And I said, we need to create one. We need a new American shamanic tradition for this, for now, because this is a really critical time. No doubt. And I love, you know, I got to, I haven't experienced it on the medicine, but I listened to um, some of it. It's like five hours, right? It's it was like five hours. Five hours, clocks yeah. in it on the So dot. I listened to a couple hours and I love how you start with the traditional rattles, which is kind of like rattling. And train it. the brain. And yeah. You're mm -hmm. like, oh. A nod to every ceremony for a all exactly, time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then whether it's the chacapas, which is what they use mm -hmm. in the, that's their version of the rattle, which is these dried leaves that they use to shake in the ayahuasca ceremony, or it's the 
you know the rattles and the in different traditions but but it starts and you're like okay we're in the medicine land now it's very patient yeah and yeah. I, I can't wait for you to like i, can't I know wait. man I can't I, wait i'm kind of eager because i'm like oh, i can't wait for that conversation after yeah totally man totally <laughs> i remember when i had that with beretta and yeah. it's like i sent him an early a couple people i sent him like you know pre-mixes like mm-hmm. if you're interested in testing this i'd like some feedback like not just you know trying to trying to do a little more research yeah and uh the first person I sent it to is just a friend of mine. And I get this voicemail at like two in the morning. It's just, this is the voicemail. It's just like, dude, <laughs> holy shit. Oh my God, dude. Oh, amazing. Oh, track 11. Oh my God. Hangs <laughs> up. <you know? laughs> it's like, all right, cool. Oh, yeah, it's good. Right, one, okay. one check. Research continues. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fucking badass. Uh, so sometimes, and I don't think Barang, you'll mind me sharing this, but we I've had the fortune. I mean, he's an amazing musician, as you know. You had him yeah. on your podcast. and I got uh, to see him play down at my spot in, amazing. in Boulder, Utah. Amazing. Yeah. So in a lot of the ceremonies we've done, when we do so, like ceremonial psilocybin, we'll have him kind of lead the musicality of that. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> play drums and do different things. And... Uh, and there was one there was one particular ceremony and in this ceremony everybody we took the penis envy strain mm-hmm. and for whatever reason it wasn't so much that we pushed the boundaries of how much we took but whatever collective reason it was all men on like a full moon night oh boy and and for whatever and there's very ma- like a bunch of masculine like <laughs> and for whatever reason the energy just ramped like ramped as like high as and went into like immediate ramp up to chaos to the point where like everybody was at the screaming maximum of their dose and it wasn't through any like recklessness and and porangi is like one of the one of the best medicine men i've seen in space in ceremony without and i remember at one point it's just chaos at one point he looks at his instrument and he goes oh wow and just puts it down and i was like all right the fucking wheels are off now we're trusting in something much more divine and there was no like there was no music it was just like this crazy orchestration of laughter and sound and then the you know some people outside inside finally five hours later we were able to come back together and like play music together because we started drumming in like we drummed in to try to create resonance but then it just got fucking and that's the thing that with mushrooms that can happen it's it's a dose thing and it's also an energetic thing yes yeah, you know, like setting. some things some things sometimes it just fucking ramps well you're calling in a spirit and an energy and you're not in control of that spirit but i think people underestimate how you need to hold that space you really need someone i think steering that ship because you're opening up in a sense um cracks into other how do I put this in without freaking people out? Uh, you just got to be careful what you're inviting in unintentionally. And it needs, you need a strong sense of that happening and really defining your space. And so I think people don't realize what's, what can happen in that way. And I've been doing a concert series publicly that's called East Forest Ceremony. And it's really merging essentially these elements of ceremony with just elements of straight up concert. But the idea being... How can we use this technology of ceremony, which is very simple, again, but very powerful, any way we want in our daily lives? And without any medicine besides just your own consciousness and your breath, and where can we go with this stuff? Because I don't want people to think that 
you know, psychedelics are a panacea or that they're for everyone. Right? they're not. And they're not. And they're not everyone. No one, not, we're not going to have everybody doing that. And it's not going to be for everybody. But it doesn't mean that we don't all have access through different doorways into those spaces mm. and into what those spaces are engendering. And so doing this kind of concert series, it's like anyone can walk into it. And there's not even any kind of language that's like, well, I, that's not my club. Or you talked about dolphins, so oh, I'm out. You know, it's, it's like you're just saying things like, what do you notice right now? Sit with that in this next song. Mm. Is something coming up? Write it down. You know, what wants to speak to you in this, that kind of stuff. And the music itself, I think, is doing the main work, which has no words. It's just something universal, as we said at the beginning, about when you hear that, you respond to it in the same way as I respond to it, the same way someone else responds to it. It has this a universal message. And that's what's so cool about music is that it, it engenders emotion and, and feeling and can take us places. Yeah, You don't have to understand it. And we are constantly singing our own song. And that's another thing too. Like music does that universally. Mm -hmm. And it has its own vibration, but we have a vibration and we're emitting our own song that's other people are listening to. And that's, I think, going back to the power of being like we're we have to we know we have to realize that we're broadcasting our own music. You're making me think, Aubrey. Yeah. <laughs> so like when you're when you're there, I'm imagining when you're there with Ramdas, like he's broadcasting a song of who he is, the song of everything. Love. Yeah. He's and it's just love. Pouring love and all it's, the time. it's it is the greatest probably the greatest love song. And that's the same that he talks about his guru, you know, Maharaj. Like that's, he was singing the greatest love song without saying a word. And then we have that opportunity to sing that. So perhaps some of us need to do all the ayahuasca and like me and all, all the abogas and all the psilocybins and all the things. Maybe one day, and I'm sure I have in certain instances, I've been able to sing a song without any words that people have been like, wow. I think you do it all song. the time. Yeah. Well, thanks, and it's in between the words. Yeah. I really do. And I think we're something I often say a lot is that we're singing one another awake. Yeah. And what I mean by that is kind of what you're saying. If you're singing your own song, it fits in perfectly with that mm -hmm. thing, thought of mine that we're in this tapestry, this great artwork that is all existence. And we're each the perfect paint brush stroke that needs to be on that to create, but you can't see it unless you really step back to see the whole picture. But like your color of red and the way it curves is unique to you. And my little stroke of blue up here is unique to me. And they both need to be there. They're both drops in the ocean to create the whole ocean. But the ocean is dynamic and moving and alive. Yeah. And it, it's something that is growing all the time and dying all the time. Mm. So I think that's helpful for people to really feel that. Yeah. Because and, uh, it's sort of like you're, you're important. Always. And your choices, they matter. Always. And there's nothing to do. Yeah. Love everyone, tell the truth. Yeah. Which is love everyone. <laughs> yeah. Know, it can be, can be, which is then just love, be love, you know, and be Ram, loving awareness. Ramdas, uh, in that song about meeting Maharaji, you know, what essentially he's saying is that if, if Bhagwan, Bhagwan, oh God, Bhagwan Das, Bhagwan Das. <laughs> he, he took him to meet Maharaji the first time way back when and he says yeah, I'm going to go see my guru do you want to go and Ram Das was skeptical of all this stuff he's like I don't believe in gurus but sure I have nothing to do so let's go so they drove up 
And they get there and they go up the long path up the mountains. And he says he goes up and he sees an old man with a blanket wrapped around his shoulders and 20 or so people all dressed in white sitting around him. And he says, this is a cult. I'm a Harvard professor. I know what this is. These people have given over their power, lost their minds. Uh, I'm not going any further. Mm. Well, the night before they got there, because it took a couple of days to get there, they stopped at someone's house just to stay. And while Ramdas was at the house, he went out to go to the bathroom. And he's taking a leak outside and he's looking at the stars, probably high elevation. Have one of those moments of the infinite feeling and like, wow. He started thinking about his mother who had just died. She died of her spleen. Um, I was just thinking about it. I was connected. like, wow, she's a soul and all that kind of stuff. It's a real important moment. He didn't tell anybody about it. Well, anyway, he's standing there thinking about these, the cult folks looking at the old man, judging. The old man looks at him. He's in the distance and he has an interpreter, Maharaji. He says, you, you were thinking about your mother last night. And he's just like, what? <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of games he plays. Yeah. Like, I know what you need right now. I need yeah. to blow your mind up. <laughs> and then he said, uh, she died of her spleen. And he just read his mind, right? And he's like, this guy, this guy knows everything about me. And then he thought, he knows all the shitty stuff in my head too. I mean, he knows everything. And now right. I'm completely embarrassed. I'm like, I don't want you knowing everything about me. But what he was getting from Maharaji was unconditional love. He said, this man was loving me. Not just loving me, but he was loving me in a way I'd never been loved unconditionally before. And he knows everything about me. And he said, all of a sudden, because he witnessed that and gave it to me, I loved everyone. Now, I had never done that. And then he, the next level, he says, including myself. And from then on, as he says in the song, it was just love, 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 love. And here he is today, like 50 years later. And that's a really important thing. Yeah. It goes back to that witness. Yeah, he heard the, <clears throat> he heard the song that Maharaji was Maharaji's singing. Maharaji's song. Maharaji's song. And then that mm -hmm. reminded, and then there's another saying that Paul Selig, one of my other spiritual teachers, he says is that, we sing each other's song so that we remember the words. Like that same, that was the same song. That was Ram Dass's song too, because all of our exactly. songs, all of our songs are a love song, our own version of that same love song. And so, by hearing the words of Mah, no, the words by hearing Maharaji's song, it awoken, you know, that same song in Ram Dass, who then was like, oh, that's my song too. And then he was able to sing that song. And I'm sure he wavered at that point because it was early on the path. I'm sure he wavered in and out like we all do. But of course. He, but he felt, he felt what it was like to sing that song. And I think, you know, for those of us who haven't had a guru experience, I think the plants, the plants have been my guru, you know, for more than anything. And I've had some great teachers and people I've learned from. And I've had a few experiences that were close where I felt something like, you know, when Don Miguel Ruiz gave me like a hug every morning when I went to go see him, it felt like something, something a lot different. You know, it felt like that love that holds no record of wrong, that presence which mm -hmm. knows no past or future. Like you could get, I got a sense of that. And for me, that was a, probably the closest I've been. But there's a song called Your Guru on the record, and it's him talking about Maharaji, but in the background, he's saying the whole time, You're a guru. Mm. And it's a strange thing about what. He's the guru, but I'm a guru. But they, that's that's kind of the point. It's like, especially these days, I don't think anyone needs a guru. Yeah. It's especially, again, with the democratization of information. We have all these experiences and answers at our fingertips. It's really just, again, about choice. And the idea of loving people 
I mean, what would it feel like? Just people you don't know. Why can't you just give the gift to the cashier at the grocery store as they're handing the receipt to just love them for a second? It's not going to be a weird moment. They probably, they, they might, no. they're going to know deep down that it's happening. I was saying like, why not? And what if that's the way we, we heal ourselves into a, a brighter future is in these micro moments? Because by doing that to them, you're going to start planting those seeds in yourself about loving yourself, forgiving yourself. And you're going to be, all of that is about the present moment as well too. It's not about your mind thinking about the past and the future. And so again, the prescription is quite simple. Yeah. And it's, it's not something that I need to teach you. Yeah. You know how to you know how to love just as good as I do. And and we can trust people to do that and how you know how they feel it feels right. And loving and finding that love in yourself. I mean, if I think about the moments where I have expressed that love, you know, it comes so much easier when you have and it becomes actually possible maybe even when you have that love and you're holding that love for yourself. You know, like I can think of those moments that happen every once in a while with a stranger where i'm able to just go up to a stranger and give them a compliment and i'll like feel them like light up and like come mm -hmm. alive or like feel these moments and it's always the moments where i've i naturally feel the best and i'm in the most i feel the most internal like self-contained love and then at that point it's the obvious thing to do you know it's the obvious thing to do to just show that love and and then let somebody else in on the song that it's that's playing for myself and so finding the ways that you know we can love ourselves without judgment without comparison without trying to live by the prescriptions and rules of what makes us worthy of love that was the conditioned and attuned to us by our society and the things that our parents said and the things that the reasons that our father or our mother loved us. Maybe we, if we scored more points or got more A's and we got yeah. more love, all There's this always bullshit. regrets or things that wronged you. Right. Or yeah, always, always. The, the second song of the record is my favorite song. It's called dark thoughts. Mm, and yeah. I think this is an important point though, because what do we do about that stuff? It's one thing to say, I, I need to love everyone, but what about when I have my own dark thoughts or I have depression or I have the negativity or I have that voice or suicidal thoughts? And the natural response to that is some form of pushing it away or working. You know, but Ram Dass's response was to love your dark thoughts. I just like, man, I'd never thought about that. Love, sort of like, like a small child, bring it closer mm. and with patience. And it's like, yeah, you, you're having a tantrum or you're really hurting. And I can watch that child and though it'll pass. It's not going to pass right now. And I can even cultivate that awareness in myself now. And I think that's actually what I'm working on is the witness of my, my own show. And that's something Ram Dass talks about throughout the record. You hear him coming up from different angles about the witness and sitting in that soul consciousness that you can see your life. And so maybe I'm seeing the dark thoughts happen and I love the dark thoughts or I am the loving awareness as a way of getting out of my mind. Uh, these are all different ways of cultivating that seed of consciousness. And that is something that is a practice. But I think the more you do that, the more that becomes perhaps where you spend a lot of your time. Yeah, it's like these cycles, it's like these circles that are kind of going 
towards uh, that higher level of awareness that we're looking for and the greater level of ever-present love, presence in love and all of the things that we're looking for. But we're in these cycles where we'll still dip down into the blindness, into the egoic we rage have to. or the, all these yes. other things. But we're still, it's just a cycle. And if we love our, if we judge ourselves, we stay longer down in the downside. But if we love those moments, we'll love ourselves back up to the upswing and of what, love. And what if, Aubrey, that is the engine of everything. It's like, wow. not that we're always wanting to remember, but in order to remember, which is this positive thing we talk about a lot, you need to forget. Therefore, like from front of an Eastern perspective at yin yang, the forgetting is just as important. Mm. The falling away is just as critical. It's not something for us to transcend. That's something that's been really tripping me out for that's the past tri- few that, months. Yeah, it's like, blowing my mind too. how can I honor the forgetting? How can, and that, so if I'm in that witness where I see it happening, but I don't identify with it, it's like, that's going to happen. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have good days. It's very Buddhist. It's like, they're all going to change. It's just this flow. It's just this thing happening. It's this wheel turning that is sort of this incarnation that I'm in. How much can I watch that and love the process and not identify with that process happening moment to moment? It's going to happen. And sort of the grace and gratitude I can feel to forget. That's hard. Hmm. But that feels like this sort of an edge that I'm on personally right now. Yeah. I, I mean, looking at it like <clears throat> the engine of this whole growth, because we're here to learn, right? So, And we're here to grow. And if that's the engine of growth, then it helps you even love it even more. Which, which is like, because right? it, it puts Without it in it, a framework. Nothing. Without it, because it's necessary. And it's... Ubiquitous. It's not some. It's not our fault. It's not like you you tripped up and you oh, I fucked up and I was forgot to be the witness and I did this thing and so there's some form of blame and some form of judgment which is not love which holds no record of wrong. It's the other thing and then so you have to work through that. But what if you're just holding the space of yeah this is the engine. It's the remembering and forgetting engine and here I am in the forgetting and then mm-hmm. I love that and I'll be back in the remembering and I'll love that and. That's a whole other way to look at it. I think that's what meditation is really cultivating probably is your ability to see, that's what mindfulness is, uh, the ability to see that and not identify with it. So, and that's what psychedelics can do in such a profound, fast way is they shoot you out in this mega perspective on things. Mm. Um, but how do we then, we don't want to just always be coming down, right? <laughs> so it's like, I'm always going away and then coming down and Ram Dass would talk about that too. He's like, I was always getting high, but then I had to come down. Mm. And eventually I was like, what am I running yeah, he was from? Blaming, he was blaming it on external things. That's what that Becoming Nobody documentary yeah. definitely talks a lot about. It's like, he's like, well, well the cities bring me down. Oh, mm-hmm. well, the, you know, so right, he's right. pushing himself farther and farther up onto a mountaintop somewhere. Right. You know, when he was like, no, that's not the way. The and way, I don't know the if there's an out anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, um, my, my girlfriend, Rada, was, we were talking about this the other day. I don't know why it struck me so hard, but she said the phrase like, you know, there's no out. And I said, yeah, yeah, there's no out. But then all of a sudden I really felt that, you know, what if there's no out? Like you kill yourself, you're just back into another form of consciousness. You're like, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> like, I, there's nowhere to go. There's no out. Yeah. Why wouldn't you then, like the, the same phrase, there's only one show in town. Why wouldn't you get on with the show and the program? It doesn't matter. There's no judgment. You can take all the time you want. Everybody graduates. <laughs> you can't, you really can, but yeah. it's just saying, but you might as well. 
yeah. because there's no escape anymore. And we feel that on a very surface level, like with people, some people are like, I'm not going to have a smartphone. And it gets harder and harder to unplug in a sense. And it's getting to a point like there really isn't any more a cave where you can really just be in your own bubble realistically, mm. you know? So now I think uh, it's about how can with all these different things and experiences and, and supplements and psychedelic experiences and pieces of art and information, all the things we're learning and talking about, I would hope that the proof of the pudding is that you walk through your life with more grace and love, that you're just more at peace with the journey. And not that maybe the journey is now all smoothness or anything. It's just that your ability to surf those waves is just, you're a better surfer. Yeah. There's more grace that you bring to it. There's no doubt about that. I mean, of all the things, it hasn't been that the waves have stopped. And in some in some ways, to continue making, continue training you to be a better surfer, you kind of need bigger waves and gnarlier reefs <laughs> <laughs> to a certain degree. You need some storms there. Yeah, you need some storms. Oh, and I think I've sought out some of those storms. <laughs> My whole open relationship journey, all these different things have brought you know, typhoon level storms. Is that a past tense? I don't know much about your personal yeah, life. Yeah, I, uh, I separated from Whitney recently. And so, I mean, it's its own journey now. Now it's its own thing. We have our own, you know, form of relationship that we're exploring now, which is the no relationship relationship. What the hell does that mean? Well, no relationship relationship. Well, people are in, rela- like imagine if you couldn't speak uh-huh. and you were around people. Uh-huh. There would be affinities. You would nuzzle up against some people. You would laugh you would share food with some but the expectations of using the words which ultimately can create a certain prison of expectation and a certain thing to live up to and up and and go towards like you'd still probably have some feelings if you really wanted a nuzzle and then the person you wanted a nuzzle from was nuzzling from somebody mm-hmm. else you'd be like oh man i wanted that nuzzle or i wanted that bite of fucking berry that, that i wish they would have given it to me it's not like you're absolved from feelings the feelings jealousy yeah there's some of these things that are going to be there but if you're in there and you're in this group and you actually have love and you don't have the expectations of a framework like a closed group well no it's not it's i mean now it's nothing like there's no there's no relationship framework which i think is something that's very fucking interesting because open relationship it has a lot of expanded boundaries so like we're free to see other people sexually, to explore other people emotionally, but we were always trying to maintain this kind of proof of love for each other. And always, why do you need to prove it? Well, we are fucked up, man. I don't know. No, you're <laughs> like, not. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's. I think that was the inherent tendency that we had because somehow we doubted that we were worthy of love. We needed the other person to choose us the most. We oh. needed to be special. We needed all of these things to feel worthy of love ourselves. So we chose this open relationship construct to break us ultimately of the delusion and the fallacy that anything external mm-hmm is what makes us worthy of love so yeah you're right but like in the in the delusion caught in the delusion of the thing there was things that made us feel worthy of love and made us feel like the relationship was strong or weak or, or all of but these do you different think things that would be inherent though in any form of relationship I and mean, why by getting into an well, how'd you put it, a non-relationship well, relationship or yeah it's it's, it's the no good. relationship relationship wouldn't you still have those relationships with some other people about being worthy of love and going through the same things in different forms 
<clears throat> I think not to simplify. Yeah, I think I think sure the open a... relationship definitely broke. It broke some of the it broke some of these patterns. The patterns of needing validation. Like people ask me, like you face oh, those. Yeah, people ask me, like, oh, did you want to? You just wanted to have sex with other people when you wanted to be in an open relationship. I was like, no, no, no. I needed to have sex with other people because I needed to have sex with other people to love myself. Because if I didn't get that validation from other people, I wasn't able to love myself. This was this was an addiction. This was something I need. Not like I was addicted to sex, but I was addicted to the validation, the validation. that came from somebody else's interest. And as soon as I would soaked up one person's interest in me, I needed it from someone else. It's just like a person who buys one Bentley needs another Rolls Royce, needs another car. Need, they need the validation of those external wealth thing well, i'm on my seventh bentley so yeah. i get it dude yeah <laughs> so like i needed it at that point and this the open relationship broke me of those uh, broke me of those needs and now in the situation that i'm in it's not that i wouldn't say i'm, I'm never going to get in a relationship again but i think it's interesting to have a no relationship relationship where there's no expectations there's no nothing that needs to be upheld there's no way that she can or anybody can transgress upon the rules that we have set because all agreements all relationships have agreements and boundaries and those agreements have expectations the expectation that they're going to be met and every time you have an expectation you have the fear of it not being met so you have a state of anxiety and then you either have it met but then it, when it's met it's just an expectation so you don't really enjoy it and then when it's not met you have the deep suffering that comes from it being not met so you're kind of putting yourself in this fuck position where as soon as you have an expectation, you're either anxious that it's not going to happen. If it does happen, you expected it, so you robbed yourself of the joy. And if it doesn't happen, you usually internalize that as some failure of yourself and then you love yourself less. So like, what if you just removed all fucking expectations? How's that going? Did Great. It's going good? So far. I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not such a fool that I will say that this is something it's been fucking what three two three months i don't know uh, it's been like almost no time season yeah oh yeah it's been a small season and it's been the happiest season i've had in uh. in i don't know my entire life probably mm-hmm. i mean not that i haven't had a, a few moments where shit you know got squirrely not necessarily relationship wise just internally but i can clearly say this has been the happiest i've been and it's an interesting experiment do you lose though a sense of uh, a deepening of an intimacy it depends on whether we were already losing that sense of a deepening of intimacy by our own protection mechanisms from the pain that we were continually causing ourselves from failing to meet the expectations so the construct that we were in was already dissipating the intimacy that we would we should have been cultivating so I'm not like a proponent. Like people think like, oh, Aubrey Marcus, he's an well, open relationship proponent. It fits the two of you proponent. at this moment in time, you're saying very well. It's a good prescription for what you're each going it to definitely, do. It's definitely allowing us to heal a lot of the things that were hurting us, which is the failure to meet certain levels of expectations so that when we come, imagine us wordlessly, we can just come and kind of nuzzle into each other. And when we nuzzle, there's no fear and there's no like, don't nuzzle me this close because if you nuzzle me this close, then it's, I'm going to have these, we're just like, aw, that feels really fucking good like you would with like a really close friend or like a really so without the fear we're actually able to express right. love um but you know i can imagine and hypothesize other forms of relationship that are beyond fear and beyond anxiety and beyond 
the the entrapments of expectation. So I'm not saying that like this is the way and like hallelujah, I've found the way. It's the no relationship relationship. I'm just saying that <laughs> the no for, relationship. For now, I love that idea. For it's now like... <laughs> though, it's just like we're like cave people who can't speak and we just nuzzle up when we want to nuzzle up and then we nuzzle away and we walk away when we want to walk just away. You're just protozoa cells that uh, I sense energy and I yeah. yeah exactly. Well, I look relationships are absolutely the crucible of spiritual work. I think the only thing bigger than that is children. And so I'm a part-time stepdad, it's PTSD as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, and even that alone, I really see how much it, it gives me and challenges me. And then the next thing is relationships. So look, yeah. again, everybody graduates and you can go at any speed you want. Mm. And I don't think there's a right or wrong. That is something like what you're describing is certainly nuanced and sophisticated and complicated. And that's not a judgment. I'm just thinking like, wow, that's... I love people who think outside the box. Mm. Um, I think it's almost better to experiment and think about all the different variations. And then again, that power of choice. You may choose. It's like, no, I want to be in a monogamous sort of somewhat traditional relationship. But there's nothing worse than making choices without actually making them in any form of our lives. That's a... That's a pattern for something biting in the ass later on, for sure. And so many of us do it. So many of us do it. It's like most down, of our decisions. We're just like <laughs> downloading the 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 document that says this is how you have a relationship and smashing ourselves. That's what marriage is typically. Yeah, yeah, smashing ourselves into the proscription of this kind of idea when really you should be creating your own. Well, it takes a lot of self awareness to know about yourself, right? Yeah, because I don't know if a lot of people do. They don't actually know what they want or how to do Man, it. Man, I thought I was fi- that five years ago. I started. I'm 38 now, so I was 33 then. I thought I was fucking smart at 33. <laughs> Most 33 year olds do. <laughs> I didn't know shit about shit. Like I had no fucking clue until like we went through this process and it like broke me into different levels of awareness. I mean, yeah. And these were not these were not like light. This was not like a light tapping, you know, of like a, of a Fabergé oh. egg. This was this this was sledgehammering of like deep, thick, encrusted concrete that was yeah. that had been built up through whatever whatever means. But like, and that process is incredibly painful, but incredibly liberating when you actually start to break up these big pieces and can actually get them moving. And now feel myself liberated from some of these things. And so, what mm-hmm. the choice of the future is? Who knows? Yeah, these people often only change through quite large calamitous events, bankruptcy, <laughs> near death experiences, uh, breakups, these sort of divorces, and that's often what we need. And so, it, it kind of sounds like you courted that in some ways intentionally, uh, as Charles Eisenstein would say too, when he sees someone. I've seen him say to people, if they're really depressed or they've done things like this, it's like, you're a brave soul. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and I think that's very true. And you could say yeah. that's what we're going through as a planet. I hope yeah. we don't need to go bankrupt as a planet and have a near-death experience or these sorts of things or the death of a parent or child, so to speak. As long but as it's, it's kind of happening. As long as it's a near-death plant, planet uh, experience. And maybe, it, that's, maybe that's the way it is because these things I experienced, yes, they were horribly painful. And yes, there was, there was, a, lot of, there was a lot that I had to go through. But I, like you said, I needed them. And it wasn't like I was intentionally being heroic. Let's not get this twisted and say like, wow, what a brave guy. I thought this, I thought I was being clever. And I un, like subconsciously- you set the stage. I set yes. the stage, you know? So I subconsciously probably was driving myself towards these. And I knew it would be somewhat challenging, but didn't have any idea how challenging it would be. But maybe the planet, like, you know, universally 
we need to really experience some some challenge, some like real, in order to really inspire people to move forward. Maybe that's what needs to break the armor down. Maybe it can be a smoother and effort, more effortless I, I pray for grace. I, I do, pray for grace too. But I don't have control. I also think that the soul sets up the lessons until you learn. Yep. Not as there's no like uh, whipping there. It's just sort of like that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. And again, you can do it over and over and over and over again. It's okay. Everybody graduates. Everybody graduates. <laughs> you know it. Man, I fucking love this conversation. Yeah, it's Thanks been, so a, much for been coming an out. honor. Um, you've been circling around my worlds for, for years, so it's always like I've gotten used to now to kind of going with the flow and saying, oh, here it is. Oh, yeah. oh so there, oh, there you are, soul again. <laughs> so it's been cool to cross paths. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, and then the the album. Definitely yes. want to talk about that. Um, we've talked about it a bunch. Yeah, it's it's out anywhere you listen to music, and there's a double vinyl, that, uh, limited press, and CDs and that kind of stuff that's available on my site. It's the only place actually you can get the vinyl. I think Ramdas is folks. I gave them some too. That's mm-hmm. eastforest.org, not .com. That'll take you to a Chinese language site. <laughs> and uh, so .org, eastforest.org. Dope. Yeah, and there's videos and stuff coming out and other like ancillary content to kind of round out, but the the album is the foundation of it all. And again, it was just a way to spark conversations. Each one of the the songs is a micro teaching, really. Mm -hmm. There's 14 songs and they're there to inspire you. And it's like poetry. I said to him when we were wrapping up, I said, Ramdas, it's just perfect poetry. You're perfect. And he's, he laughed and, he's, oh, and said, perfect, perfect. And the mics were still on. And I took that. And that's one of the songs just mm-hmm. called Perfect, Perfect. And it's Ramdas laughing. <laughs> because that in itself encapsulated something, again, that didn't need a lot of words. Yeah. And the, the, the music is just there as inspiration and to encourage people to dive into what, like, what comes up for you and, and let that be a doorway into more exploration and and I trust that that process is bigger than me and bigger than Ramdas, and it serves the purpose it will serve for each person in the moment they need it. And so, thanks for helping get it out. When the student is ready, the teaching appears, and that's certainly been the the case for me and my experience with Ramdas. You know, I think mm. when I was ready, you know, to actually receive that in a way that I could, you know, I was I was ready. Yeah, he's the dude. And he's the dude. He's he's. Um, there was an article with him in the New York Times today about, I think it's something like Ramdas is ready to die or something like that. And he is. And so these are some of the gifts. He's given us a lifetime of gifts. And um, some of the ones that are coming right now are, are really precious. Yeah. Because when I went over there a year ago to record him, um, I went back to play at the retreat he did in Maui in December. So what is that, like six months or, or longer or whatever? He wasn't really talking much anymore. He can't. And I realized that there was a real moment in time there. I don't think he could do it anymore. Yeah. And so that might have been some of the last things he has to say. What he gives now is much more through his presence, and it's beautiful yeah. and pure. Yeah. It really is. Um, but this idea of like capturing words that he speaks, I didn't realize that at the time. But now looking back, even one year, I feel honored that, I was able to do my part to just show up and be able to play the role I had to play, my little brushstroke, to um, to allow him to spread that message to people 
who maybe haven't heard it before. No doubt. And and all the gratitude that everybody listening, myself being one of those people, gratitude to you. And then of course, gratitude to Ramdas for the work to be able to do it. But Ram, all, Ram. the whole the whole synchronization was necessary to make yeah. that whole thing happen. So so much love, man. Also on your site, eastforest.org, you got a bunch of cool smoking blends and oils and a bunch of cool shit you gave me here. Yeah, so let's fucking explore around. Music you know? and stuff. Dip around in there. podcast, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poke around a little bit. Just take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Yeah, more information. I'm just putting out more, more, more. That's what we need. Oh, yeah. Aubrey is more content in this world. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, much love, my man. Thanks, Great dude. to have you, brother. Yeah. See everybody. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you love the podcast. Definitely download and check out the East Forest Ramdas album. You can check it on Spotify or all over the place. And check out eastforest.org. He's got a bunch of cool stuff there, as we mentioned. And as always, tune in on Mondays for Amp Books. Hit subscribe. Talk to your friends about it. And go to aubreymarcus.com and subscribe to my newsletter as well. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week. The soul takes birth, takes incarnation to learn, to learn. perception of the soul is love, 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 love. You love fellow souls the soul.